Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. And welcome back to the Weight Loss Podcast and our part two of how to deal with guilt. Yeah, hi. Hi, Matt. Hi, Courtney. Welcome. And hello to you listening. Yes. Indeed, welcome back to how to deal with guilt part two. Mm. We're excited. So as we spoke about at the start of last week's episode, that... We've come up with six of the main areas of guilt that we see people suffering from. I've experienced ourselves. And we have experienced ourselves. So we touched mm. on three in last week's episode. So if you have not listened to last week's episode. Stop what you're doing right now and go and listen to it before this, please. Please listen to that one first because it will make so much more sense. Um, <laughs> because we're just going straight into this. We're just going to go straight into it. So the one thing I will do uh, before we get straight into it, which is give the same disclaimer that I gave in last week's episode because I think it's really important to repeat, which is that experiencing guilt for any or all of these that we are discussing is completely normal and it is going to happen and you're going to be able to move on from it, but there is no shame in listening to any of these and thinking, oh, I do that. There's something wrong with me. No. No, this just means you're like everyone else. Yes. Yes, okay. So. Love it. Good, with that said. Good quality disclaimer. With that said, we won't go through any more of the information that we went through already in last episode. Let's we hit it. We will get straight into the guilt of food. Mmm. The guilt that is experienced involving food and falling into bad habits and e- eating uh, cheat or treat meals. Um, Once off occasional things. Celebration eating. So, yeah. So what, what do we mean here in particular by, by food guilt? Let's get specific. So it could be, oh, I was doing so well today and oh, my, my partner made homemade hamburgers and I had a hamburger and I'm so bad. Fuck's sake. Yeah. For fuck's sake. Um, could be I've been I've been really good this week. Oh, but oh, I've got the I've got the work Christmas party coming up and I'm so afraid of maybe I shouldn't go. Yeah. Oh my god. And insert celebration here. Yeah. Wedding, birthday party. You went out for someone's birthday party and had prepared not to stay for dinner but then you know one thing led to another and you ended up staying for dinner and drinks and or you're having such now a, the world's ending you're having such a good time and the party is just banging and I'm staying here I'm gonna hang out I'm gonna have some food with my friends and, and really get into it and the next day you wake up thinking oh I failed yeah oh I fucked up yeah but it can also be extended to if habits start to slip yeah like oh Fuck. Snacking. Snacking, introducing its way back in, or oh, fuck, I've skipped breakfast the last week. Like, yep. Insert issues here. There's 
the amount of guilt that people have around food is astronomical. Yeah. Um, I also think a lot of the guilt comes that I've seen with people where it's like, oh, I'm, ha- I'm having too much bad food. I'm not having enough good food, whatever the fuck that means. Or you think, oh, I've been bad today because, oh, well, I had a couple of squares of chocolate or I had this or I had that and I haven't been good. Like, come the fuck down. I think as well that a lot of guilt with food can come from either over or under eating. And that comes back to habits as well. Well, you know, um, the guilt from one can lead to the other. So, yeah. oh, I I had too much food over the weekend and I've been bad and I feel like shit. So on Monday, I'm not going to eat more than once. So I'm going to balance my overeating by starving myself. Yes. <laughs> and somehow that will help. That we, I think... The, the mentality is that will help alleviate the guilt. Yeah. Not help anything physically. There's some sort of justification there. Uh-huh. Um, but also, the, the, the I've seen with food guilt, oh, well, I've had this, I should go and exercise now. Yeah, yeah, compensating. And the other way around. Mm. Oh, well, I've been to the gym. <laughs> I can go and have a family-sized meat lover's pizza. Yeah. I can go through KFC drive through and get a, a bucket of 24 chicken wings. It, it can be a really dangerous slope as well, the, the the guilt around food, because it can lead then to other bad habits. So then you can roll on to, if you build it up into your mind to be such a big thing, this sort of off meal or this mistake meal or whatever it is. Insert your word of choice here, yes. It can also, it can lead to then, if you make yourself feel guilty enough and that you've done such a bad thing, then that can lead to just, you know, throwing it in, just saying, oh, well, I've stuffed it now. And then you turn it into a week-long bender, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, when it didn't have to be that. So you can really, by feeling, by making yourself feel guilty about these things can really derail your next week, month, three months, year. Well, it can really, it, it can be a real gateway, as you mentioned, where it can be used, and I've seen this, used an excuse, oh, well, I've fucked up, I'll have to start again from scratch <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll come back Monday or next month or next year or fucking whatever. And it's like, hang on, you, you've had one good event or you've had one, one slip and now the whole thing's over. Doesn't even have to be just one. Like you could go through a really bad period in your life where, um, you know, emotional eating comes back into it, or or emotional undereating um, comes back into your life, and it, it could last for six months. It may last for six months before you really wake up to what's happened. But it still doesn't matter. Like it's still the time frame doesn't matter. It still doesn't have to be. Well, now I've got to start from scratch. Or now I feel so guilty about it that you're going to beat yourself up in other ways. It, it doesn't have to be just one meal. It could even just be a period of time. It could be an extended period of time before you wake up to it. It still doesn't mean that you have to beat yourself down to the point where you feel so guilty about it that you, that you don't take action or that you feel like you have to start from scratch. Where do you think... I got my thoughts here. Where do you think a lot of food guilt comes from? 
I, I think a lot of it comes down to previous experiences with food. So my food guilt will always come from um, emotional eating because my background is emotional eating. So if I allow that to slip back into my day-to-day life mm. that I get really, I feel really guilty about. And I think we, we touched on it in the previous episode. I think for me it's always come back down to then that's a mistake and then I get embarrassed and then it becomes, in the past, it become like a cover-up more so than a deal with it. Um, and I've been guilty as well of getting to the point where I feel like, oh, great, now I've got to start again. Um, mentality or, or you know, oh, well, I ate shit yesterday. I may as well just keep going. Um, those sort of things I've, I've definitely been guilty of doing. Mm. Um, but for me, where, where, it, where, where it's come from in my life has been it will come from emotional my emotional eating will come back snacking you know this sort of stuff and and then everything sort of feeds off there then i get guilty that i've allowed a bad habit to come back and it just is like a snowball effect from there i reckon uh a lot of the guilt behind food comes from diet mentalities uh, and the the concept of labeling foods good or bad. Yeah, good point. So I oh, will. Oh, fuck! I'm such a I'm such an idiot. I had this this bad food. I'm not supposed to do that. I've got to do whatever the fuck my plan says. And oh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm a terrible human being. And I do think there's a lot of diet mentality there, because there's that labeling of foods. And there's that um, – it may not be deliberate in most of the time, but it's almost like a deprivation mentality. I'm not supposed to have that. Yeah. And I think that you're right. It comes from years and years and years of being told that sugar's bad, carbohydrates are bad. Um, or to even telling yourself Telling these yourself things. that, yeah. You know, it can also be years of um, – especially with the people that we work with, years of experience doing stupid diets – and being given unsustainable meal plans where the, the expectations being created uh, that you know, you, you've got to stick to this, you've got to do this. These are the rules yeah. that you must abide by. And, if you, bre- if, you, and yeah. if you break the rules, you are a failure. Yeah, yes. When the truth is, in most cases, fuck the rules – this is really about finding what works for you within the goals you want to achieve. You know, it's a, it'll be a tip unto itself, but it's not really about good and bad foods and it's not about what you should and shouldn't do. It's like, well, how much can you get away with to get the result you want to get? Mm. You know, so I, I do think a lot of it is a diet mentality and also an all or nothing mentality. I've got to do it all right. I can't stray from my plan. I can't have slip-ups, a.k.a. I can't be human and succeed at this. Mm. And it's a very unhealthy, dangerous mentality to have because it creates inconsistency because then you are either 100% on the plan or you are fucking way off. Yeah. What's necessary to really succeed with this is somewhere in between. 
Yeah. Now, with the line of work that we are in and the type of person we work with, we see food guilt all the fucking time. Because I used to have it. A lot. This really affected me. Especially when I was diagnosed as a diabetic and it's like, oh, well, you can't have this and you can't have that. Did you ever have this? Food guilt, Courtney? Oh, I'm a massive food lover. So well, to be fair, most people are, but did you have food guilt? When you eat something that you think you shouldn't eat, is that what you're saying? Yes. Uh, yeah, all the time. I still, I still get it. Okay. Please share. Well, I still get it when I feel like... I've always... Can you give a recent example? Yeah, I mean, it's... Hit me. Um, chocolate is always a good example. What's wrong with chocolate? Nothing is wrong with chocolate. But... Don't get me started. I fucking love chocolate. I love chocolate. Anything mm. sweet is, is what I love. So I think for me, it comes down to fear that... Um, you know, I shouldn't have it. I'm having too much. Okay, so I'm what I'm going to snack on it too often. What happened recently then with this? Someone brought in some chocolate at work. Yep. And we ate it. And what did you say to yourself? I, afterwards, I had that ping, slight ping of guilt of, oh, I shouldn't have eaten it. I should have just said no. Why? Because it becomes then, for in my mind, it becomes then a case of um, I'm always then thinking like, well, now I've got to be careful the rest of the week. Ah. Yeah. So it's still getting those, the idea, the flexibility idea in my brain of it's it's still okay, you know. It's sort of like, you know, um, keeping count. I find myself sometimes falling into a, a, a bad habit of keeping count. In what way? Keeping count of what? Of, of the quote-unquote bad foods I eat each week. Is that a bad thing? Not necessarily a bad thing, but... Moderation does help with this, to be fair. That's the balance that I sometimes struggle with. Mm. So I want to keep a certain count because I want to be aware of what I'm eating because I have a bad habit of unconsciously eating so I really want to be aware and keep an accurate record of what I'm eating every week. Yeah, I find um, I find that can be beneficial, The honestly keeping count, because of how easy it can be to become mindless. Absolutely. But then Is on it? the other hand, I, it's about finding that good balance because mm. then I can get caught like this into saying, well, now I've got to be careful on this day and now I've got to, you know, make sure – it just it just is a is a for a minute I just think to myself I shouldn't have done that because now I can't have anything on Saturday or well, now I can't do you know go out for dinner with my husband on the weekend where obviously I can and it's still being mindful in what I'm eating and I'm still keeping track of what I'm eating and it's still within a good you know level but it's just that first thought of falling back into bad habits thinking now you have to give something else up. Where I don't necessarily need to because the rest of my week I eat. My day-to-day, my staple foods are great. Mm. But it just gives me that little twing of, I shouldn't have eaten that. 
or I should have stopped at one piece, whereas I might have had four pieces of chocolate. You know what I mean? Um, you do get that slight little guilt. Well, I do. For me, uh, the food guilt was then centred around exercise. Um, and there's two ways um, it would affect me. And I see it affecting a lot of people the same way. One is that, oh, well, I just ate, insert bad food here. I should now go to the gym and work it off. I should now go and do more exercise to get past this. But also the other way around. Oh, well, I've been to the gym today. I'm allowed to do this. You know, I've already I've already burned it off. I can go and have that bucket of ice cream or or whatever. I think that's diet mentality as well. It is. Because I think it's part of damaging a relationship with food, damaging a relationship with exercise and how it works. Um, let's give some tips here. What tips can we give about moving past over time, because this will happen quickly, food guilt? I think a big one is the all, all or nothing mentality. Mm-hmm. So you, you, and this is one that I've struggled with over time, which is it's not good foods and bad foods necessarily. And there's not just two categories and there's not just these set rules that it has to be. It's flexible. It's des- you need to design it to be flexible, which means that if you do, you need to take the emotion away from food and just have it as what we say a lifestyle. So if you, I choose to eat chocolate, it's not, okay, now I just get to, it's a balance because now it's not a free-for-all. Oh, well, I ate chocolate on Tuesday. I'm just going to eat chocolate for the next week. There still has to be a balance there, but it needs. It can't be then just like, well, I ate chocolate one day, the whole the whole week's ruined. So it's finding that balance where it's it's okay to have everything in moderation. It's not all or nothing. Yeah. Um, tip I would give you touched on it before, but it's not um, about good foods and bad foods because it isn't. Uh, there is a necessary level of consistency that's required and it's, it's worth saying that the success that we want to have doesn't come from what we do occasionally. It comes from what we do consistently. Mm. Now, I'm all for obviously encouraging the um, recording of what we're doing and, and, and keeping track and keeping data on that to to help create awareness because I will say one thing, it is very easy to turn a treat into a mindless week. Yeah. Or a mindless fortnight, a mindless month. And there is there is that balance to be struck between, hey, yeah, you can and you should go and enjoy treats or whatever they are that you love from time to time. Are you enjoying them so much they're holding you back? That's where a discussion comes into it. But the guilt that we so often see revolves around, oh, it happened once or I've had a bad week or I've had a bad couple of days. Like, mate, that's that's fine. No problem at all. What's caused it? What can we do to help the situation to get you feeling like you're back on track and in control again? I think the biggest one when it comes to recording your food is what you just touched on before, which is 
you said recording your food is a great way to create awareness. Create awareness. Create awareness and avoid mindlessness. So what my thing is, I think in the past with keeping track of my food, is need to remind yourself that you're doing it for just that. You're creating awareness. It's a tool to use to create awareness and to learn and to get better. It's not a tool to use to beat yourself up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is the difference where I think that's where I've fallen into the trap and I know a lot of people have Mm -hmm. where they use their recording of their food to feel the guilt about what they've done. Yeah, that's, that's well said. And that is not what it's designed to do. Uh, no, because the way the way the human brain works is especially you, you think of how busy you are in your day to day life, you can't be expected to remember everything that you do. No, fucking I can't. Um, and that's where you know, recording what you're doing and why we are really passionate about that with our own clients is well, one, it relies less on memory. Mm. Um, secondly, it creates levels of awareness that your brain will fog up. Absolutely. Over time, if you try and remember. And indeed, I think that's a really good point you made, Courtney, that people can use that tool the wrong way to, you know, oh, fuck, look at this. Look at all this shit that I'm doing. Like, mate, no, that's cool. And I think At least you now know. And I think that's what I was trying to touch on before, which was my bad habit of counting my mistakes or my treats or whatever, my off whatever during each week. That's what I was trying to to explain that I'm using it often in my mind as then a way to say, look what you've done and feeling guilty about it where it shouldn't be about that. It shouldn't be about making myself feel guilty about what I've done. It's about making myself aware. That's really well said, the, you know, saying to yourself, look what you've done because that can be a gateway thought to, oh, look what you've done. You fucked the whole thing. You may as well go and do this. And that's where it becomes, I think, an immature reaction. Yeah. And that's where it becomes an actual problem. Yeah. Because enjoying a treat, enjoying some chocolate, enjoying some ice cream, enjoying a beer, like fucking, mate, go for your life. Please go and do that. Where it becomes a legitimate problem is when you tell yourself, oh, well, I fucked it. I'm such a fucking failure. And you become a big fucking baby. And, oh, I may as well throw the whole thing out. And, and that's where it's a problem because now you've taken what should be an enjoyable moment, either quietly by yourself, with someone you love, with a friend, a family member, whatever, and you now turn it into an actual fucking debacle. Yeah. And I think what uh, – and this is what I've gone through and still, you know, make sure I struggle with. Yeah. I think for, for me the, the thing that's helped me with that is making sure that I'm setting myself, as you said earlier, setting myself standards with it. So I notice a difference when I'm lax and I'll just eat whatever and I have too much of an easygoing attitude with food. And then when I set myself standards, so, you know, I'll I'll say to myself around, definitely around Easter is a good example, chocolate heaven, right? I have a massive weakness for chocolate. Every day is chocolate heaven. I'm just saying it's exceptionally bad. Mm. Oh, it's tradition for us, yeah. So setting myself 
standards. I love chocolate so much. So setting myself standards coming into that week. Otherwise, I would eat chocolate every day. Bulk chocolate. Yes. So I have to set myself something to stand by and to say, you know, I'm going to set myself limits on this. Well, the thing is, like, we've got to be real about this. If you have goals you want to achieve and those goals relate to, hey, I want to look better, I want to feel better, I want to function better, that's cool. But yes, you are correct, Courtney. There are some standards that must be set, but it's not about then going completely to the extreme and going, oh, well, fucking, I can't do this and I can't I do can't that. I can't do anything. Yeah. It leads into the, the next tip I want to give is that this really speaks to understanding, like if you have a, what you consider to be a bad meal or a bad day or a bad week, in the grand scheme of things, that's not going to do jack shit. Mm. As much as, oh, I had a good breakfast this morning. Oh, I've been good today. Oh, I've had a good week. Why haven't I lost three dress sizes? It's just as unrealistic as that mentality as well. It's like you have one bad week and you consistently have good weeks. Who cares? That's fine. Same as the other mentality. You're, you're, you're consistently inconsistent and you then have a good week and think, where's my results? Both are yeah. unrealistic. Yeah, You do have to step back and have a look at it. And the same could go for... Um, if you have, if you allow it to really stretch out, and you've had a bad six months, or I've had bad six month periods in the past, I've had bad twelve month periods in the past. It would be the same thing if I turned around at the end of that and said, "Well, I've got to start hundred percent from scratch." Oh, As if I said after twelve months, I expected to be, you know, a, a, you know, five five dress sizes smaller. Yeah. It's the same unrealistic expectations. So you really have to step back no matter what the time frame is and think about it on the other side and think, okay, how realistic is this guilt that I'm putting on myself here? I, I've always found, especially the last, the last number of years, uh, a relatively quick and easy way to move past food guilt is just get back to normal as quickly yeah. as you can. Yeah, don't. That's, that's like I said before. The the issue is when it becomes a chronic long term issue, not this weekend or this week or this day or this meal. Because in, in in the big picture, that's a paragraph in a very very long book. Well, the problem, the the thing that makes it stretch longer is that you that you um, agonize over the guilt. And then the guilt turns into other things. Well, I think it's also, as we said before, it's part of that diet mentality and the all or nothing mentality is you think I had a bad meal or a bad day, thus I fucked the whole thing up. I'm now going to be a massive baby and go spend the next couple of weeks just being completely off the fucking planet. Yeah. That is unnecessary and unproductive. Yeah. That's where it's a problem. Um, another tip I want to give here before we move on from this particular point Courtney is a discussion about staple foods mm. so we we use the concepts of staple foods and bonus foods so staple foods being the foods that you eat on the regular mm. right we've all got them okay no problem at all now if someone tends to have a habit of going somewhere else for their fix 
how good are their staple foods really? What we find with our clients is pushing them to work hard and consistently on making their staple foods as delicious and nutritious as possible makes it easier to avoid falling way off the rails. Mm. Which then means when you have the occasional treat or a date night or a social function, you know what you do? You have a fucking great time. Because you know, well, okay, I've, I've enjoyed this time with whoever. It's now goes back to normal. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add here? No. Um, worth mentioning before we move on, food guilt might be the most common form of guilt of all the things we're discussing with this and, and the last episode. Uh, I, I, would, I, would, I think mistakes might trump it slightly. Bloody hell, it's close. Yeah, there's a close tie, but yeah, they're both right up there. Next. Shall I? Yes. The next thing that people tend to feel guilty with, well, it comes down to uh, an inability to be flexible with what they're doing. So we've broken this up into um, exercise and food, mm-hmm. funnily enough. So people can get guilty because uh, I'm not doing a normal exercise program. So you might have someone, right? And let's say let's say they've had some chronic back issues mm-hmm. over time and they can't do deadlifts. And so you get them to do a, a, a substitution exercise that they can do pain-free. What this person will often think is, oh, well, there's something wrong with me. Um, I'm a terrible human being because I can't do a normal exercise program. I have to do alternative exercises. I'm sorry for being a pain. That's what I'm talking about here. It can also be the guilt behind having to shift things around. So, hey, an emergency popped up. Fuck, I've got to take the dog to the vet today. Fuck, I was supposed to go to the gym. I've got to go tomorrow instead. Oh, the whole thing's ruined. You're an idiot. Seriously. Can be inflexibility um, around social functions. Oh, shit. The work Christmas party's coming up. Oh, I'm going to have all this crap food. Oh, I can't do it. I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay home by myself. Like, really? Is that a mature way to approach this? Are you part of this podcast, Corey? Am I talking to myself here? No, you're on such a roll. I was just letting you go. I'm I'm giving these examples. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. People tend to beat themselves up when, in fact, all they are being is completely unflexible and unrealistic with the fact that sometimes shit fucking happens. And sometimes things need to be adjusted, be it an exercise program or a specific exercise, or you've got to adjust your schedule because, hey, we've got a big, we're moving house. We're moving house this weekend. And if you've moved house, you know that is a pain in the ass. (laughs) So you know what? This weekend, I can't get to the gym because I'm moving house. That's okay. Yeah? Yeah. There's this, also this little thing that um, was called COVID and it was a worldwide pandemic. Never heard of it. And it sort of messed a lot with people's routines, unbelievably. 
gyms closed. Mm. You know, people couldn't work. Mm. Crazy things happened. You could never plan for that. In a million years, you couldn't have planned for that. Mm. So things are always going to happen, as you said, Matt, that is going to throw things off, whether it be based around social events, cultural events, um, just um, emergencies. Life. Children, family, work. I call it um, the shit happens policy. Sometimes shit happens. You may get injured. I've had that. You may get injured and it derails then what you can do. Yeah. So things are always going to happen. And if you have a very closed mindset, if you have the mindset of black and white, you have this rules mindset where it falls into two different baskets, the right and the wrong way, then you are always going to struggle when anything different happens in life. Yep. Um, On the subject of exercise can also be your body doesn't perform certain exercises like the next person next to you. And you think, oh, well, I'm doing it wrong. I'm failing at this. Stop. I know for me, the way my body is built because of how tall I am and how long my limbs are, my squats will look different to someone a foot shorter than me. Both are correct. Yeah. Neither is wrong. But if I had this type of mentality, I would go, oh, well, my squats, for example – don't look as textbook as the person next to me. Oh, well, I'm fucking it up. Yeah. Like, no, I'm doing tremendous squats for my type of body. Yeah. It's the same thing with in intensity of exercise. It's the same thing with rest oh, days. Yeah, that's a it's gr- the same thing with, with exercise um, programming and how, how long you go before you have a rest week. This, um, this almost falls into the comparing, comparing yourself to others category especially with our uh, exercise intensity like oh well well that person over there they lasted the entire half an hour and i was busted after 15 minutes oh i must be a failure it can even just become down to how much someone sweats you know or <sighs> well, i ended i ended my exercise routine and i don't sweat that much i happen to just not be a massive sweater and what about your husband Matt, on the other hand, <laughs> will drip about 10 minutes in, less than 10 minutes in. He's dripping already. That's just the way that – now, he didn't work out harder in that session than I did. He just worked out differently, and his body is just different. So I'm a sweater. I'm a sweater, especially when I do um, intense cardio exercise. Like, it's, it's just flowing off me. All of these the different life, examples we're giving all come back to flexibility. Or inflexibility. Or inflexibility. Same thing. We get it as well. That I've seen this. You might um, – we have a client come with us or start with us, right? Okay, cool. Um, get the exercise program organized. And it's like, you know, there's a discussion about, you know, what they can do, what they can't do, their experiences, like, you know, uh, pre-existing injuries and conditions and all these sort of things you take into account. Okay, cool. I've had people apologize to me. I'm sorry you had to adjust the exercise program for me. Or I'm sorry I'm such a pain and you have to go above and beyond what I think you should be doing. And my response is always the same. There's no fucking such thing as a normal exercise program because it's different for everyone based on goals, ability, experience, injuries, flexibility, like all these different things. I personally don't even know 
what a normal exercise program looks like because mine is adjusted. There's certain exercises I personally can't do certain ways because it causes the wrong type of pain. I'll give a personal example. Standing barbell shoulder press, a tremendous exercise because obviously it works your shoulders and your arms, but also is a, a great core strength builder because you haven't got the support. Problem I've got now is for, for quite a while now is I get to a certain weight on that exercise where I can handle the weight, but I get this shooting pain down the back of my neck. So I do my shoulder press seated and I get no pain down my neck. Now, there's a, there's a modification I have to make for myself. Does, what's that mean? Nothing. Nothing. So when people come to me and say, oh, you know, I'm sorry that you can't give me a normal exercise program, I'm like, mate, I don't know what the fuck that looks like. I think beyond I don't know what a normal exercise program, quote-unquote normal exercise program yeah. is supposed to look like. That, that, that word normal is baffling. Now, you can take that a step further and say, quote-unquote, I don't know what a normal weight loss journey looks like. Oh, that's a really, really so, good point. Oh, I don't need, like, yeah. people say, oh, well, I'm going to change my lifestyle and lose weight. Great. What's normal? What's normal about that? Because what's normal for you is not, not what's normal for me. Yeah, it can be, um, you know, what, what's, the normal, what's the normal amount of weight someone loses in 12 weeks? Like, how long is a fucking what's, piece of string? What's the normal time frame? Yeah. I don't know. Depends how many mistakes you make. Depends how many times you fuck up. It depends, it depends on your body shape. It depends on how... Um, your how old history, you are. your history, your history it depends on how big you are to start off with. Yep, it depends on all these factors. How much have you damaged your metabolism by abusing it over the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years? Honestly, like you, you couldn't answer that. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't have answered that ten years ago when if I had asked you that question. You know why? Because you could never foresee. Do you know? I still couldn't answer that. You can't foresee no. what's going to happen, so you have to. That you have to be able to have a certain amount of flexibility mm. weaved into your mind when you're going in through this sort of stuff. Otherwise, you are going to beat yourself up at every turn. Everything yeah. we just mentioned, mm. you are going to beat yourself up and you are going to feel guilty about things that are normal for you. Mm. So why? Can I um can I give a tip mm. when it comes to this sort of guilt with being inflexible, chill the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Mate, take a fucking chill pill and just live your life. It's okay. As Courtney has touched on, there does need to be a level of flexibility with this because you know what? As you would know by now in life, shit happens. Yeah. And when it comes to a weight loss journey, believe me, shit will fucking happen that you can't see coming. And... I think the tip that I'll, the next tip I'll give is there's a reason, there's another reason to add to the list of why diets don't work. Let's go. It, Hit do, me. it, it doesn't account for life happening. Mm. And you can't do those things forever. Mm. So the idea of being flexible is to then, it equals sustainability. That was the, that is the whole point. So you, you, there is no doubt in my mind that most of the diets out there on the market you can lose weight on. Mm. That has never been up for question. The question has always been the fact that you can't do them forever. Yep. So the idea is that 
to get comfortable with flexibility in your life, in your food, in your exercise, is to be then or to have something that's sustainable. Mm. You're never not going to go out for drinks with your friends ever again in your life. That's not sustainable. No, it's not sustainable to never go to a um, a friend or a family member's wedding. You know, it's it's not sustainable not to go to to Christmas parties or Easter parties or insert cultural event here. Yep. It's not sustainable to to take a doggy bag with your own food with you everywhere you go for the rest of your life. Yep. It's just not sustainable and it's not the sort of life that you want to lead. It's not just um unsustainable, it's unnecessary. It is unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. Yeah. Um, I do like the idea of flexibility and sustainability. Mm. Um, I think we've, I think you've pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. The one thing I'll end with that is, is that the 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 whole idea about flexibility is to make your life easier. Yeah. So by beating yourself up and feeling guilty about being flexible about about the <clears throat> the need to be flexible is making your life harder. So you're taking something that was designed to make your life easier and you're making your life harder. Mm. I think um there's something to be said about being adaptable mm. and being open to course corrections over time with this because they are a, a part of the journey. Is like you might have it. You might have. Let's let's take a certain food. You might have a vegetable that everyone knows vegetables are healthy. Okay, great. You might have someone where their body does not tolerate a certain vegetable. Okay, do you keep? Do they keep having it? No. No, you find a substitution, don't you? You just roll with the punches, and it does. Before we move on to the next one, there does need to be a willingness to be adaptable and to roll with the punches that will come with this. Yeah. And it's not the end of the world. It's it's your experience. It's your path. Yes. And that's one of a number of reasons why you cannot have a one-size-fits-all approach. It is actually fucking impossible. Yes. Beyond, beyond the fundamentals that underpin a successful weight loss journey or transformation, the fundamentals being, hey, let's exercise, let's get better at preparing and planning our food, and let's be accountable. They are universal fundamentals, right? Yeah. Even those things look different for each person, and yeah. beyond that, the it all goes in different directions based on the individual. Yeah. And it's like personally – Whenever if someone comes to apply to work with us, and sometimes we get asked the question, "Oh, you know, is this like a one size fits all thing that you do?" I honestly just laugh inside because it's like, mate, that it, that can't happen. It can't work that way, mm. you know. So anyway, that's the end of my digression. Um, the final one, Courtney. I'll I'll lead off with this one that we find people feel very very guilty about is the concept of success yeah, and feeling guilty because they're looking better. 
because they're feeling better, they're achieving goals, they're changing their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And you start to feel guilty about that. Did you ever have this, Courtney? Because I can honestly say, I, from my perspective, never. Because I was, I was just at the stage where it's like, mate, I don't give a fuck. I ain't staying like this anymore. Yeah, I was similar. Okay. I never really felt guilty for changing my life, for changing the way that I lived. For mm-hmm. um, There was a time I worried about people judging me for it, but it was what, never worrying me. In what way? I guess there was a certain time I spoke about in the past where there was a certain time I was worried about how – you know, friends of mine would take it, going to mm. work, you know, there was a certain culture of eating and drinking that that wouldn't have suited my new lifestyle and I was worried that I would be judged, you know. But that that was changed pretty quickly and it was a fear that I didn't end up needing to have because it didn't exist. I'll tell you what, we haven't written it down but it's popped into my head. Um, a big one with this I've seen with people that, makes, that they feel these feelings of guilt about is – if they start to to change for the better and they're working on themselves and they're making improvements, they can feel guilty because in other they think other people see them as being weak because they weren't happy. Yeah. Because some people, for some reason, don't want to be seen as being unhappy with themselves or certain parts of themselves, certain parts of their lives. And it's like, oh, well, I, I've got to hide that. I think as well for that in that situation, I think a lot of the time it's because they they try to put this facade on that they are happy, um, because people don't want to be judged for being overweight or made fun of, so they put on this facade that it doesn't bother them or that it's not that bad or it's not that big of a deal. Um, I don't care. Yeah. So then when they do decide to lose weight, obviously it's hard to let that facade go. Um, so I do agree with you on that. It's also a big one we've seen in the past. So it hasn't really happened to both of us, Matt, but it's... Def- uh, I've seen it with boatloads yeah. of clients. It's definitely with. happened with a lot of clients. We've seen it when pe- you know people get this guilt when they're maybe achieving goals, but maybe their significant other isn't or their friendship group isn't. Mm. And they feel then this... Um, this guilt, like they can't talk about it or they can't celebrate their success That's because the people one. around them celebrate. because the people around them aren't achieving anything mm. and they haven't reached their goals, so they almost they feel guilty for celebrating and and talking about achieving their own. Um, we've seen that a lot. Mm. Um, that's a big one. I think that that's probably one of the biggest ones we've seen um, in terms of other successful things. It may not even be the big goals. It may just be little goals along the way. It may be that they're celebrating. I don't want to brag because I got stronger at my bench press. Yeah. Like, yes. Or I don't want to brag because, hey, I've improved at planning my own food out for a week and cooking it. And I think sometimes also that happens because people feel like, well, they haven't reached their big goals or they don't look different, so they can't celebrate that. Mm. So, oh, because I haven't dropped a dress size or five dress sizes, I can't celebrate the f- fact that well, I'm getting stronger in the gym. These, yeah, these things don't count. Yeah. So that happens with success as well. They can't celebrate the small wins because the the big wins haven't, haven't come yet. Uh, I find... And leads, this leads into a tip as well, but I find a lot of the, the guilt I've seen people have around success 
can often come down to a question of self-worth. Yes. Do you think you are or do you feel you are worthy of these things that you're now starting to to create for yourself mm-hmm. and achieve? Yes. Do you feel you are worthy of them? Because that I I do think self-worth and self-sabotage tend to go hand in hand. Yes. Oh, you know, you, you I'm not worth that. I'll make sure it doesn't happen. It could be subconscious as well. You don't really even realize it's happening. But I think if you if you find yourself feeling guilty because, like you know, as Courtney said, you you may not be celebrating with friends. Like, hey, I've improved at this. I've gotten better at this. First question you ask, like, am I worth this? Because I know that question: Are you worth it? I've seen people break down and cry when I've asked them that. Just that question alone. Because for a lot of people, that one can cut deep. Yeah. And I, it is something that I struggle with a lot because for many, 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 many years, for most of my life, I would tell myself of all the things I wasn't worthy of mm. or I would never achieve. You know, you'll always be fat. You'll die single. You'll never get married. You'll never be happy because you don't deserve it. You're meant to be this way. Mm. And it's really... An unfortunate mentality because very often if you if you believe it, if you really believe it, your actions will reflect it. Yeah. And it's it's a fucking hard thing to deal with mm. and it doesn't happen quickly or easily. No. I think one of the tips that I will give in this situation is we hear it a lot when we speak to clients in the past about this and they apologise for success or for doing well or you never apologise for success. Never mm. apologise for doing well. Never apologise for celebrating a win or a goal achieved. Never feel guilty for it as well as I would also say, please stop minimising yes. your success. Yes. So don't minimise an achievement so even you want to have someone that will say like, oh, you know, I've I've had this win that's important to me. Oh, I know it might not be important to anyone else. Like, yes. mate, we don't need that or, part of it. Or there's a there's a there's an extra line of I know it's probably not a big deal, but or you, you're probably going to think it's stupid. stupid but, but like, mate, you know what? We can do without that shit don't, at the start. Yeah, there. don't put some sort of like disclaimer, disclaimer on it yeah. because you're afraid that the person you're telling is going to judge you. For your what you're about to celebrate, or minimize it. Mm. If 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 they do that, then they shouldn't be in your circle of oh, influence. Really, completely agree. Yeah. So, never get in the habit of apologizing for or minimizing any sort of success, great or small. And I think that extends to the to the next tip as well, which I wrote down here as own your goals. Mm. Um, I would then I'll just take this a, bit, a step further and don't minimize your goals either. Same way I would say, you know, own your goals. And as Courtney has been talking about here, own your success. Yeah. Like the thing is, as I find myself commonly telling people that, that make great strides when they're working with us, it's like, hey, you know what? This isn't an accident. This doesn't happen as a fluke. You are improving because you are putting in the effort and you're fucking owning it. Please keep doing that. Yeah. Um, to me... I don't think people uh, 
really celebrate and own what they're doing enough. It's too much looking at it to me cup half empty rather than cup half full. Which is ironic because then we also um, agonise over mistakes made. So it's ironic that you can't win either way. But but yes, I do agree with what you're saying. Maybe, Maybe a little bonus tip. I would give here is don't be a dick to yourself. Yeah, I think that that probably just like a conclusion that we have to make out of all of these things that all the six things we've just spoken about over two episodes is you can see how much guilt can affect you, not just in weight loss, but even all these things translate to your day to day life. Um, it can very much hold you back. Yeah, with things, and you need to be able to step back and, as you say, Matt. Don't be a dick to yourself. Just look at it. Try to have some perspective. Try to think of it as if your best friend was telling you this or your partner, husband, wife, child was telling you these things, what would you say to them? You'd be over the moon. Because Mm. not just in terms of celebrating wins but any of the six things that we've spoken about. What would you say to your child or your mum or your loved one or anyone that you are close with? You would never say the things that you tell yourself. You would never treat them the way that you treat yourself. Mate. Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. (laughs) That's a mic drop, honestly. You need to have some perspective. And when you say don't be a dick to yourself, that's just it. Think about how you're treating yourself compared to how you're treating somebody who you love who was coming to you with one of these problems. I got nothing. You've tapped me out. That's a good mic drop. High five. I reckon that's a wrap. I think so. You've you've hit the nail on the head there, wife. Well said. Well done. So hopefully you listening have got some value out of this. Do you reckon we um, mentioned it in the previous episode? Just want to mention it again. Book recommendation from yours truly, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. Now that you listen to, to these two parts or this two-part episode, go get this book. Mm. It's an absolute perler mm. that will really help with what we've been speaking about these last two episodes. Mm. What was the book you recommended? The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. That's the one. That's the one. Cool. Let's bring this one to a close, Courtney. Let's do it. Thank you for hanging out with us. We appreciate you and your time. Yes. And we are sincerely hoping you get some value out of this. Absolutely. And like always, please feel free to come and join our Facebook group. It is on Facebook. Whoa. What's the group called? <laughs> the Weight Loss Podcast. Oh, my God. Amazing. It's hard to find. Um, and you can also reach out to us via email. Podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Please send us feedback, thoughts, questions, and observations because we love getting them. But as always, we will put the links in the description on your uh, podcast App, whatever, platform, whatever, whatever platform whatever. or app you're using, you'll find links to all these things. And we do have the show notes page over at theweightlosspodcast.com. Courtney, we're done. Take us out. Let's go. Take us out. Well, 
Yep, we're done. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com.